you can find yourself on the London Underground. Among the throng of people with lineages that are left as answers to a question, your position becomes clear. What you thought you were, you are not. Every morning as I walk the Victoria Line, I'm reminded that there is something in the minds of commuters that makes me different and distant. They prefer an empty seat between, some distance from this foreign body. They may be worried for their possessions, thinking that, with the huge and much desired part of me, I will somehow lift their valuables from them, while both hands cup a book they're sure I'm not really reading. Once off the train, the journey up the escalator is no better. I can't stop behind anyone because my proximity is suspicious. I can't walk past too slowly because that leaves time enough for me to take something from them. So I power walk all the way up without a break and put my good genes to use. Remember, it's all genetics. Such thoughts may seem paranoid and excessive. The thoughts of someone with a slanted view because they're being weighed down by the chip on their shoulder but I believe that these observations illuminate the subtle behaviours people would rather keep in the dark, and also the thinking of someone who has experienced the microaggressions which lead to such caution. Thousands of people pass us on public transport every day, and I always feel that not one of them knows a true thing about me. They're content in what they think they know of the black British male, which is of course false, created by a legacy of racism, fear and ignorance. The inaccurate impressions and ideas about black British men are everywhere. You find them on social media, on dating apps, in foster care, in interracial relationships, in the gym, and often forgotten, in spaces traditionally occupied by black people, like barbershops and our countries of origin. All of the contributors to this anthology have relevant stories to tell, stories that were brought to life by seemingly harmless moments which could have occurred during trips from London Seven Sisters to Brixton. These minor wounds grew until the only way to deal with them was to pour enough alcohol on them so that the screams let out could not be ignored. We often make the mistake of thinking that people who hold damaging views about others do no damage to themselves, are not diminishing their own humanity by being ignorant to the fact of others. I see writing as a way to heal, to not only heal the writer, but also the reader. I've been looking for the black British invisible man. I read the novel at university and became obsessed with the paranoia, experiences and ideas of the nameless protagonist. That I connected so deeply with someone who was invisible tritely reveals the truth about my own condition. In Invisible Man, Ellison captured not only something that was knowingly out of sight, but also something that was, at the time, also inaudible. The complex and complicated voice of African-American people. Because contemporary life, struggles and the history of black men in Britain has been conflated with that of the African-American male, it wasn't easy for me to see that I wasn't relating to Ellison's writing as Derek, a British-born Ghanaian, but as Derek, a shadowy clone of the African-American male experience. I was fixated on how these men lived, and so applied their grief and battles, all of which were conveyed to me through American literature to my own life, without taking a look at the reality of the situation I was living in myself, a situation that also had a grief to be explored, albeit a more unspoken British kind. Many black British males are stuck in this tragedy of being unseen and silent, and the best way to help them out of it is to record their voice and play it back to them 
while a mirror reflects what they failed to see, dismantling the myth that they, too, are invisible men.